direct from Cape Gun Works in Hyannis. You're listening to Rapid Fire Radio with your host, Toby Leary. I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed... It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your weekly talk radio show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. I'm really happy to be with you today, a day late and a dollar short. So yesterday's the day we normally broadcast this show, and I apologize for not getting after it yesterday. I just had a tremendously busy day. And uh, so my apologies, that was on me. Uh, so, um, but either way, I'm glad you're here. And uh, we we definitely have a lot to talk about. Uh, it's been a big week here in Massachusetts. We have tons going on uh, with the with the whole uh, hearing that took place on Tuesday, uh, Michael Day the House um, Judiciary Chairman um, had a joint conference with the House Ways and Means in talking about this new bill, HD 4607. And uh, so we're going to talk about that. But if you haven't liked and subscribed and shared and commented on any of the content that you're listening to here right now, please do, because that'll help us overcome the algorithms that want to keep this message down. And I've had a great kind of presence, if you will, on, um, on, on the Twitter or the X, whatever you want to call it. And um, it's it's been one of those things that is growing. My, my channel over there is growing, or my following is growing, probably at a greater clip than any of the other media sites that I post to. So I need your help with that. So I apologize for the shameless and gratuitous ask for likes, follows, and sharing and comments on that. So all of you who have done that already, I appreciate it. Also hit the notification bell so that you'll be notified whenever we go live and whenever we do this. 
Um, so that's really what we're after. And um, so anyway, uh, thank you. Uh, but let's get right into it. Um, as many of you know, I spoke on Monday, uh, Tuesday, excuse me, Monday would have been too good uh, because it was the the holiday weekend. And so last week, the guy who introduced this bill, Michael Day from Stoneham, Massachusetts, Middlesex County Democrat, who has been tasked with uh, with the, oops, sorry about that, um, has been tasked with the, how should I say it, the creation of new gun laws here in Massachusetts. That's what the um, Speaker of the House, Ron Mariano, tasked him with. So what, what I would like to point out is they reintroduced HD 4607, which was a 4420 reincarnated. And a lot of people would ask me, is the bill dead? Is the bill dead? Does this, you know, no, it's been reincarnated. So it is now 4607. And the problem with this bill is the fact that it does nothing whatsoever to make our streets safer, to make our communities safer. And it does everything to make you, the lawful, legal, peaceful gun owner, um, have to jump through a whole new set of hoops, have to comply with a whole bunch more unconstitutional laws. And the bottom line is, we all know the end result of this. They will never, ever, ever be satisfied with taking away your quote-unquote ghost guns or taking away your quote-unquote um, assault weapons, you know, that's, that's, uh, what they, what they like to call them as assault weapons. Ah! Uh, they are in fact, semi-automatic rifles. That's what it is. Let's call a spade a spade. And even if it was an assault weapon, then why do you have a problem with peaceful people owning them. You know, that's my question is I'm not the problem. We're peaceful people. We're lawful people. As, as you can see by all the steps we go through, all the hoops we jump through, all the hurdles we jump over in order to comply with your unconstitutional garbage. And so by us not being the problem, why does it bother you that I may or may not have a gun that your government doesn't know about? Or I'm not a prohibited person as evidence from the fact that I own a gun store and the fact that I own guns. So if I'm not a prohibited person, why is it a problem for me to have a gun that you don't know about? Or in the case of assault weapons, why does it have a, why do you have a problem with me, the responsible gun owner, owning a weapon of war. Why is that a problem? I've already proven I'm a peaceful, lawful citizen. So why do I have to give you a reason why 
I want to own said gun. Oh, because it's, it's a weapon of war and it doesn't belong on our streets. Um, last I looked, I don't see people carrying 249 saw automatic rifles or M16s or M4s down the street. No one's carrying those down the street. Yeah, every once in a while you'll see some Second Amendment auditor who walks through a public park with a park with an AK47 or an M16 clone AR15 around his back. Uh, to see what's going to happen. And he wants to videotape the whole interaction with law enforcement. And I have an opinion about that. I don't think it's moving the chains down the field in the way that we want. But the bottom line is, I'm not your problem. I'm not the one doing drive-by shootings, you know, firing indiscriminately into crowds of people. I'm not selling drugs on the corner. I'm not doing home invasions. I'm not trying to intimidate rival gangs. I'm going about my business. I go to and from work. I raise a family. And that's how almost 100 million people are in this country. And you don't solve the crime that I just talked about by punishing those not responsible. That's illogical. And because that's illogical, I vehemently oppose it and I reject it. And Congress doesn't have the constitutional authority to enact laws that would affect that. That's what Supreme Court decisions have proven. There are limitations to the powers of those they're sent to represent us. I think the Bruin decision really brings that into sharp focus is the fact that they can't create law that would make it so that we are encumbered. That's what unalienable rights mean. And I've talked about this a lot at some of the events I've spoken at and whatnot. We have Don and Stoughton, who I'm sure is going to be calling us soon. Uh, <laughs> I actually I haven't set up the uh I haven't set up the call center so that's probably yeah that battery's dead. So I'm not going to be able to take calls for a little while. But the the bottom line is uh he sends me some great uh letters uh about that constitutional limitations and uh so I'll I'll read some of that on the other side um and you know just think about any other right that you have and then let it be treated the way the Second Amendment has been treated. Even those that are in favor of gun control would not be willing to let all of their other enumerated rights be treated the way the Second Amendment is. Imagine if you needed a license to go to church, a license to speak in a public place, a license to make sure the police don't kick your door in at night and go through your stuff, a license to remain silent if you find yourself on the wrong, uh, you know, during an arrest or a Terry stop. So stuff to think about, things that make you go, hmm, right? All right, we will be right back. I'm Toby Leary. Don't go away.
Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and this is going to be a truncated session, once again, of Rapid Fire, because um, I got to hit the campaign trail. So <laughs> um, I, gotta go, I got doors to knock on. So anyway, uh, hey, KP, and hey, uh, Dufresne. Good to see you guys. Thanks for, uh, uh, thank you for jumping in and being a part of the chat. Um, also, once again, go wherever you consume your social media, find us there, Cape Gunworks and Rapid Fire Radio, and you'll be able to follow along on all the content in those places. So anyway, uh, I was talking about Don, who has, he's a constitutional scholar, I would put it, and uh, he has you know sent me some really good stuff uh in email form and called the grace curly show when i've filled in and also called this show quite a bit uh but he he insists i talk to people in this way and i've been hesitant and i want to explain myself um because for somebody who follows constitutional law for someone who is a legal scholar for someone who is a lawyer for someone who is um a historian at a higher level of detail than the average lay person. You speak a different language. And so I don't speak the same language and my brain doesn't think the way yours does because of all the research and education and uh, the level at which you've done your research, right? So Don has been telling me, and again, if I can get the phone up, I'll, I'm sure he'll want to weigh in on this but he says listen when you talk to people about gun control laws you must say because of constitutional limitations in a constitutional republic at the common law public servants can only act upon certain privileged subjects i think that misses the point for the average person yeah lawyers can understand that terminology i think uh historians and and scholars and you know people who research this stuff that makes sense even to me i can kind of start to see where you're tracking as firearms are not privileged and are specifically denied all firearms laws upon lawful citizens are patently unconstitutional if i am wrong please tell me how um i would agree with the sentiment of that and the bottom line is uh, I need to, I need my elevator pitch a little more refined than that because the average person who's worried about, um, you know, making sure their families are safe or making sure they get to the soccer practice or the baseball or little league or uh, hockey or whatever their sport of choice is, practice on time, making sure their kids 
have packed their lunch to go to school, making sure that, um, you know, they take the trash to the dump on Saturday and, uh, you know, they don't forget to sign up for the PTA meeting and whatnot. Uh, they're busy, they're in involved lives, but frankly, I need to figure out a way to deliver that message. The way I do it is with language that I can understand and articulate. And the best way for me to do that is to say, hey, you lack the authority to infringe upon our rights. Why is that? Because the rights that are endowed by our creator, like the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are unalienable or unalienable. You can't take them away. You can't attach. You can't condition. You can't mortgage. You can't roadblock. You can't put spike strips in front of that, right? You, you basically have zero ability to infringe upon that. Now, that's the wording in our cons in our Declaration of Independence. And I believe it translates over into the Constitution, which ratified in 1791, when it says stuff like shall not be infringed. So again, a right, which a lot of people who want to ban guns make the argument that a right is not absolute. They say there's limits to our rights. Well, I ask the question, um, who gives rights? And then who can put conditions upon them? If somebody gives you a right or grants you a right, then that thing can be taken away by the grantor, correct? But if God grants the right, then man can't take it away. That's how simple it is. And our founders acknowledged that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable, unalienable rights. And life is one of them. What is life if you can't protect it? The fact that they're acknowledging life is, is your basic right, human right, that's given to you by your creator, then no one else has the justification to take that life away, except if you forfeit that right. How do you forfeit that right? Well, there's ways. One is by taking somebody else's life uh, in a murderous way. Um, or you know, starting something that you shouldn't start. <laughs> you know, the saying, you'll find out, right? <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is, if our right is truly granted by God, then it can't be taken away by man. It can't be put, have conditions put upon it because they have no authority over it. So it's more than constitutional limitations. It is something so woven into the fabric of humanity and nature. And it even says uh, the in, in the declaration, the uh, the state, I got to look it up now because I, I, I forget the actual language, but it's um, it's the 
the equal uh, yeah i'll get to it but you know the thing no it says something to the effect of um the equal station of the laws of nature and of nature's god so we all have equal station to the laws of nature which are the authority those are the things that are set in stone and of nature's god they pay homage to the one that granted the right. So this is something that is so woven into the fabric of nature that man gets involved and screws it all up by thinking they're the grantor. And all we got to do is get a general consensus. All we got to do is have an interest in changing that right. And we can do it. Well, now nah, there's kind of three or four court Supreme Court decisions that say you're wrong because you don't get that right just because you've been elected to a, a higher position in office. Um, and you're there to represent the people that sent you there. But even if all those people want you to change the right to keep and bear arms, you don't have that authority, period. You don't have the authority to change someone's right to expressly uh, exercise their religion. You don't have a right to sanction a state-sponsored religion. You don't have a right to exclude people from the free exercise of their religion, whatever it is. <laughs> I heard somebody say that the only religion you're allowed to discriminate against is Satanism because uh, they don't worship God, they worship the devil. So a lot of people are like, oh, we have freedom of religion. But technically, it's not a religion if you're not worshiping God. So I don't know. I'm not going to make an argument on that. But uh, all I'm saying is um, the state doesn't have a right to establish any religion, right? Uh, they don't. They can't. And we wouldn't tolerate it if they tried. Um, if they mandated, you know, Buddhism in the school, then we would all have a serious problem with that. And rightfully so, or Christianity or Islam or, uh, you know, Hare Krishna or Hale Boppers, whatever you want to believe in, you have a right to believe it. Um, so anyway, uh, that's kind of the, the approach that I have started taking with dealing with people on the gun rights issue, because I, I like to compare it to every other issue every other um, right, I should say, not issue, but right. So the, the, point, the point of the matter is if we can bring it back to the most basic, fundamental right, do you have the right to defend yourself? Do you have the right to defend your life? Ironically, uh, what's his face up in Canada? Justin Trudeau said, Canadians do not have a right to protect their life with arms, with guns. And I say, I call BS on that because there's no question you have a right to defend your life. There's absolutely no question about it. Now we're just talking about techno technology. So if the technology becomes more efficient, why should I not use it? It doesn't make any sense. All right. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but hopefully you guys can 
take some of these little tidbits and pass them on because it's really important to um to to getting the word out and and defending freedom defending our rights defending our right to keep and bear arms and defending our american way of life and spreading that abroad all right we'll be right back after this don't go away you're listening to rapid fire i'm toby leary federal ammunition is 100 this is where the american ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas that's federal ammunition Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. And join us each and every week at rapidfireradio.us. Sign up to be alerted when we go live. Like today, I'm doing it a weird day. And uh, if you weren't signed up, you didn't know about it. So uh, you don't want to miss a show. You don't want to miss an episode. And uh, so it's important that you uh, you join us each and every week to get the message out and be heard. And uh, I apologize, everyone who does consistently um, get the word out and spread the message far and wide because I couldn't do it without you. So uh, you guys are great. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, let's get to some voicemails that I never read anymore. But um, Charles from Walpole says, massive question for Toby, the uh, the garden, some build 4607 coming up. Uh, oh, I guess he wants me to call him back. I appreciate that. Uh, I will try to do that, but it's not a question for the show. Uh, good evening. This is Larry. I live in uh, East Ham, and I'm calling you with a question. I tried to cash a check at my local bank, which is Citizens, but out of town, and the teller did not want to accept my ID card as I identification. Am I correct that my FID card is a legal form of identification? It was confusing me, and I would just like to know. My phone uh, number is this, so thank you. Um well, Larry, uh, your government-issued ID is, in fact, a um, it is, in fact, a legal form of ID that nobody is going to recognize. Uh, I found that out the hard way when I was on a flight to Texas, uh, and what was funny is I was traveling with couple of people from the shop and we were going to a trade show in Fort Worth area. So I get to Boston and, you know, going through the TSA and all that shoes off, all that good stuff. But before I got to that, um, they're like, I need some ID. And I'm like, yeah, I'll grab you my driver's license. Look through my wallet, top to bottom, inside out, no driver's license. I said, have no fear. I have four other issued government IDs. I pull out my machine gun license. I pull out my license to sell firearms in the state of Massachusetts. I pull out my license to sell ammunition in the state of Massachusetts. I pull out my license to perform gunsmithing activities in the state of Massachusetts. That's four government issued IDs with photos, date of birth, address, everything. 
Oh, and my license to carry. So that was five. And then I had my construction supervisor's license, six. I literally had six. I'm like, take your pick. And they said, nope, we can't accept a single one of those. I'm like, what is going on? Nope, it's got to be a driver's license or a passport at the TSA line. And I'm sure you're running into the same deal at the bank, um, which is ridiculous. The funniest part of the story is um, the guy, the guy's supervisor comes over and looks over my shoulder and says, he's all set. Go ahead. And I'm like, all right, great. Thanks. And the guy starts, are, you, oh, are we accepting one of these? As I, the guy goes, listen, listen, listen. He's all set, okay? And the guy didn't know, but one of the guys traveling with me is behind me in line. And uh, so um, I go through, I take my shoes off, throw my carry-on on the thing, and I'm down the lane. I'm heading, heading through security. And the guy goes, what gives, man? We're not supposed to take any idea. And the guy goes, that guy's a federal agent. <laughs> and the guy goes, oh, really? How do you know? He goes, because he's got a machine gun license. They don't give those out unless you're a federal agent, you know. And so uh, the guy who was traveling with me was behind me in line and he heard that. And so he's doing all he can to not just just fall down laughing. And uh, so and meanwhile, the, the other guy who was with me is taking pictures of me sitting there trying to argue with the guy about my IDs. I'm like, I have a deck of cards, a government issue state IDs trying to say pick one any any card any card you know and uh so they were calling me you know special operator the whole trip uh you know you didn't tell us you were a fed you know and i'm like i'm not you know they're like well that's not what the tsi guy said and uh so it, it was pretty funny um but i had the last laugh because the guy who's making the most fun of me for forgetting my id uh was on some you know protein kick and and uh he had all his protein powder and ziploc baggies in the carry-on <laughs> so i'm already through security by this point he's sitting there with his belt in one hand holding his pants up and they're and they're like patting him down and you know get off to the side sir and they bring his stuff over into the testing machine and they're holding up white baggies of powder and they're like, what's in this? You know, protein, you know, he's like, yeah, okay. You know, we're going to have to test this. They got the dogs coming over. So now I'm taking pictures of him, you know, holding his pants up with one hand and the belt in the other. And he's giving me the business, but oh my gosh, it was hysterical. So uh, yeah, don't, the two lessons we learned is A, have an ID and B, don't put all your white powdery substance into Ziploc baggies and expect to waltz right through uh, TSA security. So Anyway, uh, it was pretty funny uh, all the way around. You know what I mean? It was it was just. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was one of those days at the office. But all right, let's get to some of your questions. I'm sure you're all wondering what the heck happened at that hearing on Tuesday. So uh, let's see. Uh, we will talk about that. The goal staff panel testimony on HD 4607 was awesome. I agree, Ray. Um, that was I think Jim Jim Wallace knocked it out of the park. He just kind of went off the cuff. He's like, I had all this stuff to say, but all I'm going to do is tell you this. You got 600,000 people pretty upset. You kicked the hornet's nest. We're tapping out at this point. We're done. There's nothing here worth complying with. There's nothing here worth talking about. It's 122 pages of 
nonsense. Um, so that was the one thing, uh, you know, that I really took away from that. Um, and then Carrie Ann O'Claire, they only allowed three panelists on the on the panel. So if you were speaking a, as an organization, you'd only have three people. Carrie Ann O'Claire is obviously a goal employee, but she spoke on behalf of herself. And she was the only one to bring up the the what happened in Israel over the weekend. So she's like, look at the people in Israel. Are you saying they don't have a way to defend themselves? I, you know, what if that happened here? And the other thing that most people didn't acknowledge or talk about, and I wish I could, but you have three minutes to talk about something as important as, um, as your constitutionally protected rights, um, was the fact that our southern border is open. We've had six to 10 or 12 million people come in across the border in the past few years. It's like, uh, do we know every single one of those people? Have they all been vetted? Are they good character? Are they here for productive reasons? Are they going to be a burden to society? No, none of that, right? It's like, come on in. Here's your phone and your court date will buzz you when, when we figure it out. See you later. Have fun. And they, poof, they're gone into society. We don't know if they're state actors. We don't know if they're um, terrorists. We don't know if they're um, drug dealers. We don't know if they're child sex traffickers. We don't know if they're, we have no idea what they are. They might just be here because they're being tortured in their own country, but we have no way of knowing. And the fact of the matter remains that the Second Amendment, one of the secondary and tertiary benefits of it is self-defense. I can defend my family. I can defend my household. I can defend people who are my friends. I can defend my community. And in some cases, I might have to defend my own statehood, my own uh, country. Remember what the uh, Second Amendment says, being necessary for a free state. Right. Um, KP, any GI mags in stock? Yes, we got plenty. Come and get them. Uh, yep. Uh, there was a lot of people interested in talking about Smith and Wesson's grand opening in Tennessee. I did not get to see the grand opening and uh, I've been a little on the busy side. And I'm still pretty upset that they're gone, to be honest. And that was something that just as, as, um, the late Mumbles Menino used to say, really fries my nose, is that state rep, state rep Bud Williams was on the panel of um, representatives that spoke at the meeting on Tuesday, the hearing on Tuesday, in support of HD 4607. And he was bragging about taking on Smith & Wesson. And it wasn't easy, but I took on Smith & Wesson. Yeah, now their jobs... And the money they're generating, the revenue, the taxes, the benefit to the community is all in Tennessee, thanks to you, State Rep. Bud L. Williams. And your community is worse off thanks to you filing legislation that, you know, chased them out of there. He should be run out of town on a rail. Um Johnny brings up a good point when he says to someone who claims to be anti-gun, he says, no, you're not. Who's the first person you call when you get in trouble? Yeah. 
the police, the military, et cetera. That is a good point. And I've mentioned that before on the show uh, that you're not anti-gun. You just want the concentration of power in the hands of police who obviously shouldn't be the only ones trusted with that level of power because police can be corrupt. We've seen many, many times. Look at California just recently. The sheriff's department there was selling concealed weapons permits to the highest bidder. It was totally on the take. Uh, Apple, who wanted a bunch of gun licenses for their security team, after donating a bunch of tablets to the, to the sheriff, they got their weapon, concealed weapons permits. And then some people who'd been in the stack for a decade hadn't even got their interview. And then there were other people who just happened to give some box seats to the San Jose Sharks game. Well, guess whose application got moved right to the top of the pile with a big approved stamp on it was those people. It was, you know, crony capitalism. It was corruption at its worst. Um, and that's what happened. That's what happens when your rights are in the hands of other people. Our rights should never be in the hands of other people. That's something that happens here in Massachusetts. I had a guy hit me up yesterday on the text and say, hey, Toby, I, what's your address? I need to put you down as a reference on my application for my license to carry. I said, well, A, they can't ask for references anymore. B, here's my address. Um, and C, you should tell them to go shove it with a sun don't shine. But we don't. We comply and we, you know, because we want the license. But that's what happens when that concentration of power is in the hands of unelected people who don't have the right or the authority to do it in the first place. Uh, we play the game because it's easier than not. And frankly, we've got lazy and complacent as a society. And we say, okay, I'll another brick in the wall on my rights. Um, but again, I love to point out how this would never be tolerated in any other aspect of our life. Imagine just throwing this out there for just to pull the pin on a hand grenade, open the door and roll it into the room and shut the door. Cause that's about what this is going to do. Imagine if somebody wanted to have an abortion and they had to take a government mandated four hour class, which told them when, where, and how they could have that abortion and that they had to pay a hundred dollar hundred bucks for that class. And then once they got the certificate of completion at the end of that class, then they could take that down to their local police chief. And then the police chief would look them in the eye and say, why do you want to have an abortion? And by the way, I need three character references to, from people that will tell me that you're in good standing with the community. And therefore, you know, you should be able to have said abortion. And then after you've done that, I'm going to fingerprint you. We're going to take your picture. We're going to background check you. We're going to put you into the Department of Criminal Justice system. You'll now be a, a, a digit, a number in our system. And then if all the background checks come back clean and all, all of your references check out and the reason for which you want to have the abortion are okay with me, then I will issue it a license and that will be another hundred 
dollars and it's good for five years and you know don't even think about having an abortion if this license expires uh after five years or if it gets revoked because of your character or you've screwed up in any other way um then we will you know issue the license and maybe we'll restrict it to one abortion in five years or maybe we'll restrict it to um what state you can have that abortion in and maybe uh we'll you know put other conditions upon it has to be in the first three months can't be in the late trimester can't be in the, and then maybe we'll even restrict it to uh for rape or incest only and if they ever did that the the people that are pro-abortion would take up arms and march upon the local police department or city hall or the you know legislatures of every city and state in the country right am I, how am i wrong they would and that's that's the argument we need to make it's it's basically um an enumerated right period full stop and at the end of the day it's the only one that says shall not be infringed. So I would ask you to start comparing it to every other right, because once that right is lost, now we have really nothing to protect all the other ones from being lost. I know that's very cliche. It's it's the first line of defense against all the other rights out there. And that can be a bumper sticker, you know, cliche that can get lost in the minutia of the day. But Anyway, uh, we will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Don't go away. We have so much more to talk about, and I will tell you about the hearing, and I'll try to play my clip for you, my testimony from the hearing, if you can stick around. All right, we'll be right back. I'm Toby Leary. Hey, everybody. Toby from Cape Gunworks, and it is time for another Rapid Fire Gun of the Week. And this week's gun is the Franklin Armory F-17 Winchester Super Magnum. Hmm, what is that you say? Well, it is a purpose-built rimfire on an AR-type platform. <clears throat> and because it's a rimfire, we can sell it here in Massachusetts. Go figure, right? But this 17 Winchester Super Mag is an excellent round for coyote hunting or varmint hunting has this built-in hand stop right into the M-lock handguard, has the QD sling swivels also built into the handguard, has a nice muzzle brake already on it. Um, and what I love about this gun is it's the perfect gun for sub-caliber training. If you're used to the AR platform and you want a gun with the same ergonomics and same controls, this is your gun. Uh, but it's a very, very well-built gun. It's recently redesigned to be more efficient has a short stroke piston instead of a long stroke piston system. And uh, Franklin Armory really knocks it out of the park with making compliant guns for banned states like Massachusetts. Uh, this is gonna be the gun of the week. So if you wanna go to Rapid Fire Radio, scroll down to G Gun of the Week and use GOWS checkout for a very special savings off this wicked cool gun. So anyway, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on Rapid Fire. Carrying a firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. 
go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. All right, welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and thank you for joining us each and every week. I appreciate you guys more than you know. Uh, I love it when I hear from people that say I listen to you all the time. At least I know that I'm not talking to myself, which is a very heartening thing. So uh, anyway, uh, I appreciate you guys each and every week. Um, that Franklin Armory uh, FX-17, by the way, that the coolest thing about that is it is a purpose-built rimfire cartridge from Franklin Armory, so we can sell it mass, but it is a legit uh, upper and lower receiver and, and furniture and everything and the ergonomics and all the the way it works. So... But because it's a rimfire cartridge, it, it is exempt as a quote-unquote assault weapon. So pretty cool. Um, speaking of which, um, some of the language in HD 4607 has changed, and there is a grandfathering provision. So any gun that has been owned prior to, I think it's August 7th or something, 2024, you will be legally able to keep and maintain it's not your typical uh grandfathering provision because it would make it so that you would have to keep it you could no longer sell it to a friend or a neighbor or a loved one or a, you know uh you couldn't gift it to your kids um you could only transfer it out of state via an ffl or sell it to an ffl or to someone who is ex exempt like law enforcement or whatever. But so that's not really a good grandfathering provision. But uh, there are people who have been on this waiting pattern, holding pattern for whatever reason, they didn't want to buy a gun that they wouldn't be able to continue to own. I say you're crazy because are you going to turn in a gun that you've bought legally and lawfully? And the government says that they can't. Uh, I mean, the courts have said the government can't restrict. You're going to really compromise that. But I get it. Um, so anyway, um, like I said, I'm going to try and play this um, audio. I don't think I can figure out how to get the video in there until I rip it off the, the longer video portion. But uh, you'll have to just suffer through listening instead of hearing, uh, seeing. But I'm going to play my testimony. And by the way, I had to go after uh, one of the women from Moms Demand Attention, as Jim Wallace likes to call them. Uh, but it was a terrible story. She had this tragic event in her life where her husband shot their kid in front of her and then took his own life. Uh, and it was, you know, tra oh, and shot her. So she had a bullet like go in and lodge in her by her ear and everything else. He tried to, it was, it was kind of like a double homicide, suicide type of situation, but she lived. And my heart was broken for this lady. I mean, it was a terrible tragedy. And, you know, I feel horrible, but nothing they're proposing would have prevented that. And no amount of gun control 
could have prevented that. And she's like, my husband was a lawful legal gun owner and he had a gun and he shot me with it. And he shot my daughter and shot himself. And my heart breaks for that situation. That's a terrible, terrible tragedy. Later on, she revealed that she had been enduring years and decades of abuse under this guy. So, you know, part of me is like, dang, I wish you had said something sooner, but uh, I know that's a complicated situation and I can't weigh in on it. And I'm not trying to say the outcome could have been different had you done something. I'm, you know, I would never put that type of a guilt trip on somebody, but I had to testify right after that. Like, so talk about taking the air out of the room and then here I come I with my rights all, you know, it sounds like I got a ax to grind right after this. And it was, it was a tough one for me to follow, but uh, not because I, it discounts my argument any just because of the emotional aspect of it. So, all right, here we go. Without further ado, Toby Leary in front of the house hybrid committee um, in the, on Tuesday, the 10th. And it's not going to work. Is it? <laughs> you gotta be kidding me here. Hold on one sec. Let me refresh the page. I apologize for technology, which is not my strong suit. All right. So I might have to fast forward here because. Yeah. Uh, that was too far. All right. Right. Here we go. Here we go. All right. He just called up Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. This was Michael Day, by the way, who is running the whole show uh he was you know moderating as well which they did not so um hopefully that came through loud and clear uh but that was uh and i'm glad um g webs you know streamed that whole thing so uh, that was great. And there's plenty on there that you can, there was so many good arguments out there. And that was the first time I've actually watched it all the way through um, without just kind of listening to it. And I was interested to see like the mom's demand action and the Brady and Gabby Giffords people in the back, like kind of like looking at like this, like haven't heard that one before and then shaking their head like, oh, he's crazy. And uh, that's unfortunately, uh, what a lot of people think is that, you know, gun people are crazy and, uh, but they aren't willing to give up their constitutional rights the same way that they insist I give up my constitutional rights. Um, that was an interesting thing for me because uh, I had never testified publicly like that in any hearing or any um, committee, if you will. I'd been asked to speak at the um at the listening tour stop in gardner mass as a lot of you know um and that was kind of like the biggest event i had done before that uh and then this one was um you know before the people who are actually gonna pass the law so i had one three minute chance to impress upon them that to do this I mean, just to introduce the bill is an act 
that is hostile to our country. And frankly, it's an act by a domestic terrorist. Just going to say it. I think these people do did more in domestic terrorism by enacting laws like this than you know any of the people who uh, took some selfies in in the in the Capitol on January six. And I know that would be very unpopular opinion around here, but that's the truth of the matter. Obviously, if they're smashing and grabbing and taking stuff, then that's one thing uh, to, to arrest them and charge them accordingly. Um, but frankly, the vast majority of people there, I think it was 2.2 million people in D.C. that day. It was the largest gathering in the history of our nation on the mall in D.C. And, you know, most of them were there uh, prayerfully and patriotically and uh, to let their voices be heard that they felt there was some serious problems with our last election. And so um, anyway, uh, that's, you know, the, the way it is. I'm going to answer some questions on the other side, guys. So uh, make sure you don't go away. Uh, I appreciate everyone uh, tuning in to this odd day of rapid fire on Thursday afternoon instead of on Wednesday as usual. Uh, but I'll be right back after this and uh, we'll get to your questions. Thanks so much. Federal delivers a knockout punch with the leading defensive ammo on the market. Federal punch hollow points are accurate and reliable in all defensive situations. When you need reliability designed to provide a balanced mix of effective penetration and expansion, you need punch defensive ammunition from Federal, the leader in nickel-plated brass ammo with a sealed primer to deliver reliable feeding and ignition. Get Federal punch defensive hollow point ammunition here at Cape Gunworks. Welcome back. I'm your host, Toby Leary. This is your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. Um, as promised, we'll jump on your questions here. And if you want to check out that full video of the, um, the House testimony and the hearing and whatnot, I will drop it into the chat so that you can watch it, watch the replay at your leisure and if you aren't watching online and you don't know where to find that, just go to the, uh, it was kind of hard to find, but um, it's mass legislature, malegislature.gov forward slash events, forward slash hearings, forward slash detail, forward slash 4741. So I don't know if you just put in 4741, if you'd, into the search bar if you'll end up there um no it doesn't look like it so uh but anyway that's that's where you can find it so replay that segment you'll hear it again all right um real quick reborn says toby can you guys legally transfer gen 3 glock frames like the polymer 80 uh for glock 19 or 23 gen 3 to massachusetts residents absolutely do it all the time not a problem uh, we have them in stock and I also have four and five gen four and five frames as well. Um, but the threes are the most common because there's so many accessories made for them. And by the way, the gen three only exists still to this day because of California, because of their approved weapons roster. And they attribute, 
I think I heard 40% of all of Glock sales, 40% is the Gen 3 Glock. And the only place it really is sold is California because they can't add the Gen 4 or 5 to the roster because of the stupid micro stamping laws that they created. But anyway, um, just a fun little fact around that. But yes, we can transfer whatever frame you want. Um, let's see. 19 thumbs up. Thank you, G-Webs. Um, if the government started confiscating their cars and revoking their licenses, even though these are privileges, there would revolt. I agree. Domo says, not a 17 HMR? Man, so many calibers. Yeah, that 17 Winchester Super Mag is a serious round, too. It's like you can get a 15, a 20, and a 25 grain bullet. And I think the 15 grain is going like 3,400 feet per second. Is an absolute scorcher of a, of a caliber. Um, let's see. Glad I'm broadcasting. Thank you, man. Uh, let's see. Davey, keep in mind anyway, will not comply. Amen to that. Um, would she go after cars if it happened in an auto? Yeah. Uh, speaking of cars, um, I like I made the analogy the other day on the local radio that um, if Ford Motor Car sells more Ford F-150s than any of its vehicles, and Ford F-150 is the most bought pickup truck on the road of any brand, then statistically speaking, it would be safe to say that those are probably going to be involved in more accidents than any other brand of truck, right? Because just sheer numbers, it's a numbers game. So that being said, you could probably even sift through the data and realize that more people are killed in a Ford F-150 than any other brand of truck. And again, I'm just talking statistically. And this is very hypothetical. I don't really know this number to be true. And I'm not trying to cast aspersions on Ford or their vehicle. I drive a Ford F-150. It's not, that's not the point of, I'm trying to make. Um, but if government did a study and said more people are killed in an F-150 than any other vehicle, therefore you can no longer buy or sell, more importantly, manufacturers, uh, dealers can no longer sell Ford F-150s. That's equivalent to what they're doing with bans on quote-unquote assault weapons or boil it right down to the brand specific ar-15s like they did in the 94 assault weapons ban they banned the colt ar-15 right so that is what government is doing with their gun bans and they're trying to force upon us a compliance with in another product with the argument that it's going to save lives. Nothing could be further from the truth. People are going to drive a different truck, right? People are going to buy a different gun. They're not going to sit here and say, oh yeah, you're right. This gun was too dangerous because the military uses it. No, they're just going to buy a different gun. And that's still not addressing the root issue of why are the people dying? 
Well, they're dying because people who shouldn't be on the street are walking the street. People who have a violent a propensity for violence are walking the street. And people who uh, should be locked up serving long sentences get out on no bail or low bail or personal recognizance. So anyway, I know I'm preaching to the choir on that. Sad for that woman, but he would have used a knife instead of a gun. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, oh, shoot. You guys didn't get the audio. I'm sorry. Dang it. I heard it loud and clear. I wonder why that is. All right. So I apologize. I have a gun and I wasn't following the chat. So that was three minutes of just blank space, me blinking like a frog in a hailstorm. I'll have to rip that off the uh, the video then. And um, I don't know why that is. Darn. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, I put the link in there. You can go back and watch it. I'm right at about the hour and 35 mark. Um, let's see. One... All right, so that's going to be weird on the replay to have me just sitting there. Um, all right, well, I will work on that, try to get that out to you guys, but I also put the link there. For what it's worth, top three selling vehicles in the USA are number one, Ford F-Series. 653,957 units sold to Chevy Silverado and Ram pickup. Wow, that's interesting. Top three vehicles in the USA. Um, let's see. Uh, the Gen 3 was the last generation of Glock that had the fewest parts, so a bunch of people liked them the best. That's cool. Maybe that they, they never will really go away. Um, when the grandfather clause trigger for a rifle, when the lower was purchased, assembled, or EFA-10. Uh, it's when the lower was manufactured. So if it was made prior to September 13, 1994, it is a true pre-ban. Um, so the F-150 analogy is tough. It implies an AR-15 caused more accidents. Well, that's what I'm trying to point out is that it doesn't cause the accident. It's just by sheer numbers that people who drive it are going to end up in an accident more so than the car that is the fewest sold, right? Like, I'm not trying to say that there's any one gun that's more dangerous than others or is a result of poor manufacturing or something to that effect. I'm just saying by sheer numbers. Let's face it, there's 30 million AR-15s out there. So if people want to start saying, see, more people are dying with AR-15s than any other gun, which is, we all know not to be true, not to mention that the fewest category of gun-related deaths is rifles of any kind. And, but I'm just making the argument that sheer numbers more people die in a Ford F-150 than any, any other vehicle. And we don't ban Ford F-150s. 
So if you want to sit here and make the argument that there's people dying on the streets with an AR-15, I think your facts are flawed. And even if it's true, so what? It's because it's America's rifle. It's the most desired rifle in America. More people want that than any other rifle. So, so what? I think your statistics are stupid. Nobody buys a truck to end up in an accident. Nobody buys a gun uh, because it is the gun that more people die with, right? That's a ridiculous reason to own a gun. I want the gun because it's the most efficient tool to keep me and my family alive. Just like I want the truck that I think is bringing the most value and versatility to my lifestyle. Same thing. That's all it is. It's a choice. It's a consumer-driven choice. And by the way, the guns that are in common and ordinary use are the ones that government can't ban. We know that AR-15 is in common and ordinary use. Even Jerry Nadler admitted to that. There's too many of them, people, too many people using them. So that's the point I'm trying to make. And you're right. Maybe it's a bad analogy, but um, so anyway, uh, the new grandfather clause is, um, I think if you've owned it or it's manufactured or whichever on August 7th, 2024, anything after that owned, operated, manufactured would be prohibited. If you owned it or it was manufactured prior to that day, well, yeah, I mean, I guess the good, the big question would be if it was manufactured prior to that, but it was never owned, then it's probably still prohibited. But if it's owned, it wouldn't be. But who knows? And yeah. He means all rifles like the 300 deaths, most gun deaths are handguns. Yeah, I, I acknowledge that. So maybe I should be saying handguns instead of AR-15s, but um, they're not on the ban list. Let's say, put it that way. Given the entire state's chief of police are against the bill, any rumblings that they won't enforce it if passed. Uh, I think the only two that have gone out on the limb about that was Plymouth and Ware PD. They both said, I think they said they won't enforce it. I heard um, Sheriff McDonald from Plymouth County say that he would not enforce it. So that's huge. Um, and that's really what needs to happen. So yeah, um, we need to shut it down. So all right, guys, as promised, I got to go hit the campaign trail. So I got to go knock on some doors. Uh, but I appreciate you guys so much. And I wanted to get uh, talking with you today because, um, it you know, I hate to go a week without doing rapid fire. So um, anyway, that's uh, that's that. So we will do it again next week, I promise. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And hopefully you'll go out and shop at a local gun store and Keep those guys alive wherever you might find it. Oh, by the way, I'm looking at somebody demonstrating the uh, new FX-17 out there on the sales floor. So the gun of the week. So you don't want to miss out on that. So go to rapidfireradio.us, scroll down and type in 
uh, click on gun of the week and type in GOW at checkout. So, all right, guys, God bless. We will see you next time. Be a good law abiding gun owner, a responsible gun owner in your society and in your community. And we will see you next time on rapid fire. Thank <laughs> you.